American Redoubt Radio Operators Network and is a nationwide disaster preparedness network made up of patient-oriented radio operators. So, Amron phonetically, Alpha, Mike, Romeo, Romeo, Oscar, November. This is a directed net, so please hold any traffic until that control station calls for it. Any emergency traffic may break in at any time. Whether you're seasoned or new, this is the place for patriots, preppers, and partisans who understand the necessity of being able to receive and share information with others during an emergency and when conventional communications are disrupted or compromised. Grid up or grid down, this is Partisan Radio. Hello, folks. Welcome to Partisan Radio, Volume 45. This is John Jacob Schmidt. The current AMCON level is AMCON 5, which is the lowest AMRON, the AMRON condition level with no known imminent threats to our communications infrastructure. If you are a net control operator, please be sure to announce the most current AMCON level in the preamble of your net script. Although we are at AMCON 5, we are keeping a very close eye on developments in the Middle East related to Iran, Venezuela, North Korea, and elsewhere. First of all, I want to put out a shout to all of the Amron operators who participated in the Pi build, the Raspberry Pi build. Uh, uh, There was a meeting on the East Coast a couple of weeks ago that was a huge success uh, where they gathered together, bought the components, and then uh, instructed each other how to build this standalone field-portable computer for operating ham radio modes using the uh, very small, compact, lightweight, and affordable Raspberry Pi system with the, with an Amron build. So it's got the, uh, the Linux operating system and all of the uh, amateur radio software that we use. And there was a lot of camaraderie that was built through that. Those are always great events, so great job to all of you who participated in that. I know that the uh, Raspberry Pi build is on my list for things to uh, try to get accomplished this spring, early summer. All right, in amateur radio and emergency communications news, you might find this interesting, especially if you are in California, uh, there is what's called Mission 35, uh, an opportunity for you to make a QSO with a skydiver and get a -a one-of-a-kind QSL card. That'll happen May 25th from Byron, California, two-meter QSOs on 146.430 megahertz simplex and uh, also 20-meter QSOs on 14.250 megahertz. Uh, They have uh, all-star and Echolink nodes available, so you'll also be able to watch the excitement live on streaming video and and, uh, follow them on APRS. So you can learn more by going to ParachuteMobile.org. ParachuteMobile.org for all the details. And you can also follow them on Facebook if you're so inclined. Annual Armed Forces Day cross-band test is uh, set for this Saturday, May 11th. The Army Military Auxiliary Radio System, also known as MARS, will host, host the traditional military amateur radio communications test to mark the 68th Annual Armed Forces Day on Saturday, May 11th. Uh, The event is open to all amateur radios. Armed Forces Day is actually May 18th, but the AFD Crossband Military Amateur Radio event traditionally takes place one week earlier in order to to avoid conflicting with 
the Hamvention. So complete information, including Army military stations, modes, and frequencies, is available on the U.S. Army Mars website. We will put a a link there as well. And you can also just do an inter- Internet search for any of these things that we're talking about here. Uh, shortwave listening or SWLING, SWLING.com also has uh, some information about this Armed Forces Day annual cross-band test this Saturday. Now, I've got a couple of links under our communications resources section here. There are two links to two field user guides that are chock full of general information that uh, some some of you operators may be interested in having in your toolbox, whether as an additional resource or for non-HAMS as just general communications info. I have both of these, and I highly recommend them. I've mentioned them before, but I wanted to bring them to the forefront. If you don't have them, get the you can download the PDF for free. I'm fortunate. I am fortunate to have uh, the printed out small pocket field guide versions, but uh, the PDFs are free. And one is the National Interoperability Field Operations Guide, also known as NIFOG. This is put out by the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, And regardless of how you may feel about some of the things that they've done in the past or some of their policies, whoever's operating the uh, communications, emergency communications department did an exceptional job. The person or the team who put this NIFOG together, it is an extremely valuable tool and a great resource. The other one is uh, called OxFOG. That is their auxiliary uh, field operations guide for auxiliary communications. So uh, check that one out. OxFOG, and that's A-U-X-F-O-G, Alpha Uniform X-Ray, Foxtrot Oscar Golf. The other one is NIFOG, N-I-F-O-G, November India, Foxtrot, Oscar, Golf. Uh, Get those and add those to your communications binders. They also have uh, the Android and the iOperating system apps that you can download for both of those, evidently. Now, I want to share with you some communications resources, and I'm going to take you to Chapter 1 of the IARU Telecommunications Guide. It is kind of the Bible for MCOMs or emergency communications uh, around the world. So chapter one, and I'm going to share just a little piece of this with you each episode of Partisan Radio. So chapter one of the IARU telecommunications guide uh, is introduction to emergency telecommunications. What is a communication emergency? A communication emergency exists when a critical communication system failure puts the public at risk. As used in this guide, emergency telecommunications may also be referred to emergency communications, or MCOM. A variety of circumstances can overload or damage critical day-to-day communication systems. It could be a storm that knocks down telephone lines or radio towers, a massive increase in the use of a communication system that causes it to become overloaded, or the failure of a key component in a system that has widespread consequences. So what makes a good volunteer? Emergency telecommunications volunteers come from a wide variety of backgrounds and with a range of skills and experience. We find a a lot of these in Amron. Very, very wonderful, great people. The common attributes that all effective volunteers share 
are a desire to help others without personal gain of any kind, the ability to work as a member of a team and to take direction from others. Emergency communication volunteers need to be able to think and act quickly under the stress and pressure of an emergency. You cannot help others when you are worried about those you love. Your own family should always be your first priority. Adequate personal and family preparation will enable you to get your own situation under control more quickly so that you are in a position to be of service to others. And so I just wanted to uh, remind you of the Amron mission statement. And that reads as follows. We are committed to maintaining a continental network of radio operators for disaster response and civil defense, always ready to serve our communities, our states, our nation, and our fellow countrymen with unconventional communications in times of need. Day-to-day versus emergency communication in your daily ham radio life, there is no pressure to get any particular message through. You do things at your leisure, and no one's life depends upon you. In an emergency, all that changes. The list of differences is lengthy, but here are some examples. One, instead of one leisurely net a day, emergency communicators are often dealing with several continuous nets simultaneously to pass critical messages within a limited time frame. Two, unlike public service events where the communicators serve primarily under the direction of one lead organization, emergency communicators may need to interact with several key organizations within a limited period of time. Three, unlike typical home installations, emergency communications must be portable and able to be set up and operate anywhere in a very short time. IARU Emergency Telecommunications Guide Revision 1 from September of 2016 uh, covers this well. Unlike contesting, which involves contacting many random stations for points, emergency communicators need to contact specific stations quickly to pass important messages. Teamwork is important, not competition between stations. So just uh, bear that in mind as we move forward and get closer to T-Rex 2019, which I'll be talking about more here in just a moment. Let's talk about history in radio or radio-related, communications-related news this week in history. In 1611, Johannes Fabricius, a Dutch astronomer, uh, observed sunspots for the first time. We know those well. They can be our friends and our enemies. In 1876, Alexander Graham Bell patented a quote-unquote improvement in telegraphy with a telephone. And also this week in history, in 1899, uh, R.F. Matthews collided with the light ship, which radioed the lighthouse ashore to get assistance. This was the first time ever a distress call was transmitted by radio from a ship at sea. They sent help. So, uh, T-Rex, 2019. Mark your calendars if you haven't done so already. That is a nationwide, grid-down, scenario-based emergency communications exercise slated for July 26th, 27th, and 28th. There's a teaser trailer out there, and the uh, T-Rex scenario and uh, exercise planning team is working diligently behind the scenes to start bringing everything together. We'll have more details coming very soon, so be standing by for guidance on that. Also, a shout-out to the folks in PrepperNet. The PrepperNet have uh, turned their attention toward developing communication so they can communicate amongst themselves, 
tactically, and uh, among other city groups besides just within their own communities uh, for more operational or uh, strategic level communications. Uh, we have uh, an Amron Corps operator who's working as a liaison with the PrepperNet folks to help them get those communications up and running and bring them to a level that they can really contribute to their communities. And uh, many of them will be participating in T-Rex. Of course, there will be a lot of organizations who will be uh, testing their own communications and emergency plans by participating in T-Rex. If you are in PrepperNet and you have not begun developing your communications team and started working toward that effort, you go ahead and email me at johnjacob at radiofreeredoubt.com. I'll put you in touch with the Amron Corps liaison to help you get your comms up. Now, in the last couple of weeks, in the last month or so or two, uh, we put out several white papers uh, on file, the proper file naming protocol, uh, the Amron Intelligence Brief, which hopefully you've all been able to participate uh, or are you making efforts toward that direction so that you can receive that weekly Amron Intelligence Brief, which is put out every Tuesday on schedule. Go to Amron.com and just type in Amron Intelligence Brief and you'll find the white paper there that talks about uh, where and when that takes place, what format it is in, what to look for, and how to receive your weekly intelligence brief, which is sent only over radio. There are also other white papers there on Amron.com. I want to uh, encourage you to go check that out. Now, speaking of white papers, that brings us to this week's main topic. Another white paper was just released yesterday on May 8th, and that is uh, the waterfall uh, protocols, what we call it for short. It is the Digital Mode Waterfall Designation white paper. And the purpose of that was to establish and reinforce a standard practice for the use of the mode, specifically their locations on the waterfall during Amron Digital Mode radio communications, both in training and real-world operations. So the uh, if you follow the frequencies that we are on that are designated in the SOI, that's when this will apply. If you're not sure what we're talking about just yet, you will as you advance in your communications capabilities, even if you only have a shortwave radio and you can only receive, you'll want to know this because there will be a lot of valuable information sent over using digital modes. This is text that comes out on your screen. If you're not familiar with digital modes, go to amron.com, just type in digital, and there will be several articles that will walk you through step-by-step on how to download the free software, get it set up so that when the network is communicating situation reports, stat reps, and observation reports, executive summaries, and intelligence briefs, you'll be able to stay informed. So you'll be able to turn right around and inform your community over your local communications. There are three modes that I want to direct your attention to. In this digital mode software, what we use primarily is FLDigi, F-L-D-I-G-I. It's free to download. You can select multiple modes from the, uh, the, uh, from the program, from the tab at the top and the upper left. When you look at the signals on what's called the waterfall at the bottom, you can actually see the waterfall and click on those uh, signals that you see running down like a waterfall. So 
Uh, there are three programs that we've that we've been using and testing. We will be implementing, and they will be in version four of the signals operating instructions coming out this summer, prior to T Rex. So, the FL Digi modes will always be done, unless otherwise directed. They will always be done by default. You will go to one thousand on the waterfall. Those are for your modes such as Contestia four two fifty, MFSK thirty two, and MFSK sixty four, etc. Also. When uh, operators are sending out custom forms or, or FL message forms using FL message, that will be done at 1,000 on the waterfall. If, you're, if they are sending out traffic using FLAMP, F-L-A-M-P, that's a companion program that works with FL Digi, that will be at 1,000 on the waterfall. So there are two other places with two other programs that I want to direct your attention to. One is FSQ Call, and the other one is JS8 Call. These have specific features that we found extremely useful and valuable while doing emergency communications with coordinating with one another. So the reason why we moved the digital modes from 1,200 down to 1,000 on the waterfall is to ensure that there won't be any interference with the other two modes I'm about to mention. FSQ call defaults at 1500 on the waterfall. You cannot move it. You cannot select a, a different place on the waterfall. So we're moving the FL Digi digital modes away uh, down to 1000. FSQ call will be at 1500 on the waterfall. That's used for beaconing or sounding, as they call it, for determining signal path quality and determining which stations are on the air. It's also used for transferring of small files and images, as well as chatting using short sentences and sending message alerts to individual radio operators. Very valuable tool in which uh, more guidance and white papers will be forthcoming on that. And that will also be included as blocks of instruction in the Amron University. The third uh program, software program that we want to encourage you to use, we've seen in real world, has been extremely valuable during real world emergencies, is JS8 call. JS8 call. That will be set at approximately 2,000 on the waterfall. It can be, and of course you can do that. <clears throat> um, it's The instructions are in the white paper on how to adjust where you want to be on the waterfall. It will allow, it will, it will keep you from Selecting 2,000 on the waterfall, plus or minus uh, a couple of hundred hertz. But you should be somewhere between 1,800 and 2,200 on the waterfall when you're operating on JS8. Uh, You do not have to be specifically at the exact precise place on the waterfall as other operators using JS8. It will detect it and decode it for you. So you should select a place between 1,800 and 2,200 on the waterfall. Now, just to reiterate and just to recap here, there are three uh, amateur radio digital mode software programs that we use, and we use them simultaneously. You can have all three of these open at the same time if you're using a sound card or a virtual sound card. Uh, FL Digi modes will be done at 1000 on the waterfall. FSQ call is 1500 on the waterfall and JS8 call should be between 1800 and 2200 on the waterfall approximately right around 2000 on the waterfall. This makes sure that the modes do not bleed over and interfere with each other's proper separation but you can see traffic activity on the waterfall if you are handling if you're 
handling traffic using one piece of software, you can look and see traffic happening uh, right next to it. And so that gives you the opportunity to go and explore and find out what's happening, what information is being passed, so you're not missing out on any of it. And you can be receiving it in all three different places on the waterfall with these three different programs running simultaneously. So uh, that white paper explains more of that. I want to encourage you to go to amron.com, find the white paper uh, that is titled Digital Mode Waterfall Designation, and print that out and put it in your comms binder. Now, I mentioned briefly, and I'm going to go into more detail on this in the future, but we are running what we call persistent presence nets. There are a handful of Amron Core operators who are on the air almost around the clock, but it's specifically from the early morning hours until the late evening hours. Now, many of those times, there are nets going on. But when there is not a net going on, there is a persistent presence. These Amron Core operators are testing and sending practice emergency traffic back and forth. They're testing new modes and also passing along the weekly Amron intelligence briefing, which comes out every Tuesday. And they're, they're making sure that that's getting widely distributed across the Amron network. So you can come in, uh, you know, in the evening, try to reach somebody on the air, try to do some practicing and testing. There's going to be somebody there almost always. But there are certain times where they are spending more time because of the behavior of the band conditions or the bands due to band conditions throughout the day. So in the morning and the evenings, you'll find most of the operators are on 3588 upper side band. During the daytime at about 10 a.m. to about 5 p.m. Pacific, you'll find uh, most of the operators are at 7.110 upper side band. And in the middle of the day, right between about 1,800 and 2,200 Zulu, 20 meters at 14.110 upper sideband for passing traffic continentally across, back and forth across the country. And that's pretty much a wrap for volume 45 of Partisan Radio. Send your questions in to John Jacob at RadioFreeRedoubt.com. We'll try to get your answer, your questions answered here at Partisan Radio anything radio and if it's something that i don't know we've got plenty of experts to reach out and find an answer for you and uh, hopefully add clarification to things you you just want to learn more about i want to encourage you to join amron core if you haven't it's a nationwide network of uh your seriously dedicated operators uh with the online forum uh, online walk or a walkie-talkie internet-based walkie-talkie app where they're in continuous uh contact with one another, sharing information, mentoring one another, and that is a really rapid growth opportunity for you if communications is something that you have a high interest in. Okay, now, as I close, right after the end of Partisan Radio, I'm going to demonstrate some digital mode transmissions. There will be three of them playing at the same time. If you open up your FL Digi digital amateur radio software, you will see signals coming across at three different places on the waterfall simultaneously. Uh, it will sound like a jumbled cacophony of a mess of noise to the naked ear. But to the amateur radio operator, those are signals with messages. So at 1,000 on the waterfall, so you'll see a demonstration. At 1,000 on the waterfall, I'll send an image out in MFSK32. 
I did uh, record this with the TX ID on. So if you have your RX ID turned on, that's those two little buttons up in the upper right-hand corner of your FL Digi software. You click on when they turn green. Well, it should automatically switch the mode to for you if you are not already in MFSK32. I will also be simultaneously transmitting on FSQ call at 1500 on the waterfall with a short practice message. And uh, then there will also be a, a practice message sent out using JS8 call at approximately 2000 on the waterfall. These will all be going out simultaneously. You'll be able to see them simultaneously on the waterfall. And if you have the free programs downloaded, FL Digi, FSQ call, and JS8 call, you should be able to successfully decode and read two of the messages and one of the images. That's all I got, guys. You have a blessed week. Stay safe out there. Watch your six. I'm John Jacob Schmidt. Out. As ready, trained communicators, right up to the present time, radio hams have been busy every single minute. The ever-increasing group of radio amateurs who have equipped themselves at their own expense with two-way radio sets by amateurs who saw their opportunity to render a public service and paid off for Americans in trouble.